Taxes, are they going up or down in Philadelphia? Inside Story starts right now. Hello, everyone. I'm Matt O'Donnell, and this is Inside Story on this Sunday, June 10th, 2018. And we might have the man who has the answer. Well, we'll see. Philadelphia City Council President Daryl Clark joins us. So good to have you, Mr. President. My pleasure to be here. So if the budget that you sent over to Mayor Kenny goes through, taxes would not go up in Philadelphia. We'll talk a little bit more about some of the details, but given the fact that you presented this budget and you found other ways to try and get revenue for the schools, are you drawing a line in the sand where Philadelphia doesn't go plan A, plan B, and plan C all to raise taxes when things go south? Yeah, well, this whole issue about raising taxes has been a challenging one for us. Um, most of it, if not all, have been driven by the cost of schools. Uh, the city of Philadelphia uh, has, to some degree, been the sole funder of our Philadelphia school district. The state has not met its constitutionally mandated requirement to fund schools in the state uh, adequately. Uh, we are hoping that in the next uh, budget process that they will, in fact, do that. Uh, but there are our kids, and at the end of the day, we have a responsibility to the local schools. So over the last, since actually since FY12, Matt, the city of Philadelphia has raised more than $1.1 billion in new taxes. New taxes, and I'm talking billion dollars, right? So we are clearly stepped to the plate as Much of that going to the school district. All of it going to the school district. And we did what we have to do because we, as you recall, we had closures, we have concerns. We literally closed 32 schools. Um, this whole charter school phenomenon has created a challenge for us as it relates to funding where people are opening up charter schools and not requiring that those charter schools be in vacant school buildings. It's a very, very complicated issue, but at the end of the day, it's the most significant cost driver as it relates to schools and subsequently the city of Philadelphia's budget. Is Mayor Kenny going to sign it? Or well, I don't know. I mean, I mean uh, we put together what we believe to be a budget uh, that reflects our ability to fund schools adequately, balance our budget, provide a significant fund balance for the school. Um, we did it without raising real estate taxes. Uh, we looked at a number of other taxes because there were some increases in taxes. The city contributed um, the $20 million a year that gives us $100 million in grants to the schools. We actually slowed down the wage tax reduction um, somewhat marginally. We're continuing to reduce the wage tax, and that brought in around $340 million to the school district. Uh, we also were in a position to make some strategic cuts. Uh, one of the things that's being discussed is that our prison system, uh, fortunately, we've been able to reduce our prison population significantly. Um, a lot of people don't know the House of Correction uh, has zero population. Mm, close, and close. from our perspective, we should take those cost savings from the closure of the prison and put them in schools. Uh, our approach is to fund it on the front side so children never end up in prison. Sounds like you don't know if the mayor's going to sign it or not. Then. Well, we've had discussions, and obviously I talk to the mayor one-on-one -on -one pretty much every week, and at the end of the day, I think he understands the challenges okay. associated with the, the taxes. Um, the Office of Property Assessment, um, Matt, we've heard across the city. These that was my next question. Oh, my God, Matt, they're like through the roof. Is the, are the tax reassessments backdoor tax increases? Backdoor, front door, side door, whatever door you want to come through, they're like significant tax well, increases. Well, people think that they're, they're, they're intentional. 
that, that this is a, a, a backdoor way to raise taxes yeah. without actually passing a tax increase. Yeah. I actually don't think it was intentional. I just think that the system is flawed. Um, we actually got to a point where we had significant conversation with the Office of Property Assessment, these ridiculous uh, levels of increases. The average 11% in one year. There's no way that a property, the same property, can go up 11% in one year. But lo and behold, you literally have properties going up 50%, 75%, 100% in one year. Properties on one side of the street, same property, on the other side of the street, swings of $120,000. That's crazy. So you're man. trying to fix things. We're trying to fix it. And we actually uh, went out, we did a request for proposals, and we just selected what we believe to be the one of the most preeminent um, auditors that audits um, OPAs and property assessment division. That audit will start um, now. Uh, we want to make sure that that process is fixed uh, before we entertain any additional tax okay. increases. Are the school district's books clean to the point where you know when they tell you we need more money, they definitely need more money? There's no way to go in there and really look from the bottom to the top and the other way to know that there aren't things that, that they're spending money on that they shouldn't. Right. Well, Matt, one of the things that we want to have, and we put that in our charter referendum that passed on a significant level, is that the school district should be independent in terms of how it runs its, its operations. Uh, we don't want politicians in the middle of it trying to tell people how to educate young people. That's their responsibility. But from a fiscal perspective, the recently enacted local charter gives the city council the authority. actually requires the city council twice a year has a fiscal oversight hearing in council, in public, in a very transparent way to make sure that we ask about every dime that's being spent over there. So, so at this point, you do believe that oh, absolutely. the books are clean? Well, no, I'm not saying that, Matt. I'm saying that it gives us an opportunity to make sure the books are clean because we did put $1.1 billion of new funding in the schools. We, this budget that we just passed puts an additional $600 million in schools. So we want to make sure as we move ahead, Matt, that the, this thing from a fiscal perspective is being run properly. And at this point, I can't adequately say that that's what's happening. Okay. Yeah. Will the sugary drinks tax survive? We hope so. Um, what are the chances? I, I uh, think it's kind of 50-50 right now, don't you think? Yeah, I mean, the reality is, is that we were successful in the lower courts. Um, we don't see and anything that would put us in a position to have that overturned, but you never know with the court system. Uh, we're obviously uh, hoping that we're successful. Uh, very good programs will be funded. Must say, very difficult vote, but we sure. took the vote because they went to good programs. Real quick, yes or no, will Mayor Kenny have a primary challenger? Um, I believe he will. Yeah. Do you um, know who that is? I probably do, but I'm probably not prepared to talk I about it. Throw tonight. out like five or six names right yeah. now, but we don't have any more time. Yeah. Council That's President Daryl right. Clark, thanks so much Thank for you. joining us. Inside Thank Story. You, Our panel is next. Back with Inside Story and our panel, let us introduce them to you right now. Nelson Diaz, former judge. Good morning, Good Nelson. Good morning, Matt. Brian Tierney, marketing executive. Good, Good morning, morning, Brian. Matt. How's it going? Charmaine Matlock-Turner, nonprofit executive. Hello, Charmaine. Good morning, Matt. Jeff Jabalier, communications executive. Good morning, Matt. Hello to you all. By the way, Council President Clark was a guest on my Travel Mug podcast. You can download that on iTunes or Google Play, wherever you get podcasts that he talks about his decision in 2015 to not run for mayor, whether or not he regrets it. Brian Tierney, who could be this primary challenger for Mayor Kenny come the next mayor's race? I don't see one, to be honest with you. I mean, let's face it, it it's, you know, there'll be people who will, who will put their names out there, there will be people who will dance around it. In the end, this is a city that 
basically the Democrats always win. The last time you had a real challenger was Sam Katz in 2003. And uh, they work it out, be in the back room kind of thing. I don't, I don't, th I don't think he's going to have it's a real problem. It's hard to be an incumbent also. Huh? It's hard to beat an incumbent. It's very hard to beat an incumbent. But You've got all the powers and money and everything else. But because it's hard to beat an incumbent doesn't mean that some people might not try. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I've heard Alan Buckowitz's name um, over time uh, after he lost uh, the city controller's race that he might put uh, his hat in the ring. That would be a big political comeback so, right there. Um, right it would there. be. So, again, I think, Steve you know, Hill. I think people are, I think, absolutely, absolutely very steep hill. Um, I do think that um, the mayor seems to be popular uh, and but again it's a long time away so people are going to continue to uh, I think test the waters Nelson uh, I think they'll be I think they'll be challengers and uh, you, I, I don't I don't I, I I think there are a lot of individuals who have the issue as you, you talked about with him with the soda tax mm -hmm. and the real estate That's tax good. and and some of the expenditures that have occurred and impacted on the small uh, business community, uh, but I think it's almost almost impossible to be an incumbent in the city. And it's yeah. also he's done a good job of coalescing two two of the most important constituencies within the Democratic Party, which is at, at this point the old guard, if you will, the ward leaders, those. But it's a changing Philadelphia, and you have this sort of more upstanding, more Bernie Kratz of the progressives. You have the new Philadelphia people moving into the city, but and he's done a good job hard, on progressive it's issues. Hard, it's hard to beat Doc. You know, he has Doc. Doc, Doc, that's what I'm saying. It's right, hard to beat right, Doc. He has Doc. How about and, Anthony and Williams, who ran for governor and he had that ad with the box? Could Anthony Williams bring the box back? <laughs> well, and the question is, who's going to give you, or how are you going to raise, say, money, five, ten right. million bucks? Mm -hmm. Okay, and that's that's the hard part. And if you're, it's a fractured field, and he's the incumbent. Uh, unless there's some very wealthy person who personally stands up and does it, I, I just don't. There's think only it's there's happen. only one guy that can beat him, and that's Daryl Clark, and he says he's not running. So, Charmaine, let me ask you this. Council presenting a budget that doesn't have any tax increases when mm -hmm. Mayor Kenny presented a budget with a 4.1% real estate tax increase, is that a rebuke of the mayor in a way? Well, I, number one, I would sort of argue a little bit whether or not council presented a budget that didn't have any tax increases. I mean, there are a couple areas where we know that the mayor and city council agree. Uh, they agree on the fact that they're going to slow down the decrease in wage taxes, which sounds like really good, but it's all, it's also like a, a slight increase uh, in wage taxes. So I think they're in agreement at about $300 million in the five-year plan. I think the real issue here is around property taxes. Uh, City Council is hearing a lot from constituents that they are seeing huge increases uh, in property tax. And remember, we kind of wanted this system because we were concerned that we were sort of like living in this space where we weren't doing reassessments on a consistent enough basis, which meant once we went back to actually reassess, then everything was like really, really uh, unfair. So I agree with the council president that we need to go and really make sure that the system that we have is a really fair system. But I hope that doesn't mean that we're going to throw out consistent assessments so that we're going to have a fair system. It's, it sounds like the, the reassessment deal is such a mess because it was a mess. Yep. And oh, yeah. I, no one really knows how to get the yeah. mess fixed. Well, right. Matt, there's been a bunch of appeals. Uh, most of the people who have been reassessed uh, because the increases have been incredibly high. And so there is uh, uh, a tax increase, no question about it. What bothers me about this whole tax increase issue is that it's not necessary, it's not needed, 
One, because the school board has sufficient funds at least for this year and the year to come. And so they're demanding you this don't buy the fact that they need years. all this more money. I went, to the, I went to the hearing. I went to the budget hearing, and at the budget hearing they said, if we don't get the tax mm -hmm. increase, we have a balanced budget for this year. Because the council president is agnostic. He says you know, it's an ongoing process. Yeah. I know where books. you're not getting the money. Harrisburg. Because remember, they wanted. They, <laughs> we don't want the school reform commission. You guys get out. We're going to do. Uh, do you have any money? Okay. Uh, no. Uh, okay. That's where they're not going to get the money. But this is what you get when you run the run the school, which I think but, was just for I, pure I political. We're getting problem. a lot of money from Harrisburg anyway. I mean, the council president was clear that the city has put in over a billion dollars in education in Philadelphia. They've not walked away from this issue. Um, and they've taken some tough hits in closing schools and trying to find out where there are actual savings um, to make this actually work. So, yes, um, the school district may make it okay this year, but the numbers are clear that over five years without additional funds, what, it is not going to be balanced. I'll just jump in quick. This public health crisis, though, that the Inquirer has so wonderfully covered, which is a tremendous public service, and obviously they're friends down there and I'm on the board, but it, it, so I want to disclose that, but this has been a public service. To see the lead poisoning, et cetera, in these schools, this is, this is not like we'll get to this in a year or two. There's right. kids getting poisoned right now. It's like a, a similar to what's happened in Flint. Yes, it's a different it way. is, yeah. yeah. But Matt, I think you're fair to ask the, the question of the council president about, you know, do you look at the books? You know, do you have fiscal responsibility? When you see vacant buildings, and the, the, the word was, or what we learned was, we're going to sell those charter schools, as I, far as I understand, can't get those. So you have these co stranded costs, sure. and you need, to, you need to fix that, and you need to show Philadelphians that you're, but you're, you're tightening your belt as well in order to have them support if you do need to reach into their pockets. I, I, I think also Wrap this up, Nelson. Yeah, I think also uh, Charmaine and I have spoken about the fact that the school is really too big to manage and there is a need to be decentralized. I've and heard the that de yeah. And that decentralization issue. Yeah, and, and, and the decentralization issue allows the local community to really be involved, yes. supporting financially and helping the you know kids. that's not going to happen in the near future. Unfortunately. Right all right, let's talk about the Battle of the Bobs, shall we? Mm -hmm. Let's talk about, the, uh, first of all, the incumbent, Bob Menendez. He won. He won the, uh, in the New Jersey primary, but he won 62% of the vote on Tuesday. Now, you at home are like, well, that's a, that's a big margin. Yeah. His challenger, Lisa McCormick, is a political unknown who didn't spend anything. Right. She, she got a huge chunk of this vote. So this is not a convincing win for Bob Menendez. We'll talk about his challenger in a second on the Republican side, but should the Democrats be worried? Yeah, here? remember there's right. another Bob back in 2002. His name was Bob Torricelli. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You're seeing so many analogies here. We had a guy who they were trying to get out of the race. He finally dropped out a month before so they could salvage that Senate seat. The Republican in this race is formidable, Bob Hugans. Um, he is self-funded. He's not a Trump nut, if you will. He is a he's a supporter of Trump. Well, he's, you're not going to see much of that. He has in the past, but he is pro-choice. He's moderate on many of the issues. It's the only way to do it in New he's Jersey. He's the Republican that can get elected in New Jersey. Exactly. And I think Menendez has got to be one of the most vulnerable. The guy who he was doing favors for just got, he's a jail, away in jail for 17 years, right? 17 years in jail. Uh, Menendez got a mistrial. The government just decided that they didn't want to go through this again, probably for a lot of different reasons. And uh, I think he's one of the most vulnerable incumbents in the country. Bob Hugan. Republican challenger. He is a former pharmaceutical executive, worked for Celgene. Is that, and some of the things that have happened with Celgene with lawsuits, is that going to be a, a well, part you, you of have, the story? You have, uh, you know, he put some effective ads on, which really helped that 62%. Mm -hmm. um, the ads where he had 
uh, Menendez being indicted. And so those guys were effective. They didn't care what candidate was running against them. They were going to vote against against the Menendez. That's a big protest vote. Yep, that's right. Oh, yeah. There's yeah. a big protest vote. So, so that, that, that's a vulnerability. Menendez also hasn't spent a dime with regard to his re-election of the uh, primary also. So the question really is going to come down to whether Menendez's machine, because he's still a machine candidate, whether his machine in North Jersey can deliver because he gets very few votes in South Jersey mm -hmm. anyway. So mm -hmm. it's going to be a, a very interesting election. I think it'll be close, uh, but uh, it, it'll be the closest elections he's ever had. Smell a close I one coming up here? I think it'll be Bob Menendez will pull it out because I think in the end, New Jersey will be making a decision on whether or not they want someone in New Jersey to be supporting Donald Trump. I really think that that's going to be the big question. Mm -hmm. That's going to be the real push for the Democratic Party to say, in New Jersey, we need to hold the line on the Trump influence in this state. And that is what's going to pull Bob Menendez I out. I agree. That may save him. The that Trump issue the may save him because we have the same issue in the state of Pennsylvania with the governor's race. It's just the anti-Trump Wagner issue is going to allow Wolf to also gain votes in the state. Anytime you vote against Trump and anytime you campaign against Trump, you're going to have an opportunity to I will say, watch this. If, if the poll numbers are very tight come fall post uh, Labor Day, watch South Jersey Democrats try to perhaps make a move to have a different candidate. Whoa. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, oh. <laughs> president Trump cancels the Eagles Super Bowl championship White House party. The president says it was over the national anthem controversy, but you know the Eagles didn't kneel during the anthem. Some raised their fists. Uh, some believe it was the president just trying to sa save face because really only the coach and maybe 10 players were planning on going anyway. The Eagles tried to put this behind him during preseason workouts. Will they? Absolutely. Uh, there is will no the, way that Philadelphians... Philadelphians are still wearing Eagles gear yeah. in the middle of 80 degrees. Uh, we are all very excited about the team and the fact that we have waited for decades <laughs> to have a winning team. I do not think that Donald Trump is going to be able to split us. I saw a great um, editorial, well not editorial, but opinion piece from a columnist and restaurant owner from Conshohocken who clearly said that we are not going to be split on this particular issue. Can, can I, and I, I agree with all that, and I think it's, 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 it's you know, the, the Trump and, and all that that may, but as it relates to the protests themselves, you're working, okay? You're working, you're a football, you're, when you can, you can't protest if you work in the Wawa during every time somebody comes in for a cup of coffee and say, can I tell you what's on my mind, right? So I don't get why, the, why these players who are workers, employees at their workplace, can somehow protest in a way that I can't protest if I worked at a Wawa, if I worked in a luncheonette, et cetera. I admire them for doing it. The speech we have to defend the most in our country is the speech we hate, but don't do it when you're at work. Do it on the week. Do, do it the other six days of the week. So I do find it unfortunate that football players decide to protest at work. Until you're making millions of dollars, let the Wawa guy protest what he feels like when you go buy a cup of coffee. Well, that, and well, it wouldn't be, allowed, the, wouldn't be the, allowed. The stars have a bully pulpit, as anyone else has, who is really well known. And, and I think that the problem with Trump is he likes big parties. Uh, ten people wasn't a no, big so party. Right. Yeah, well, wasn't, wasn't, a no big, wasn't a big party for him. No. And so as a result... I mean, I, I would have welcomed the 10 people. Uh, any president will yeah. welcome 10 people. It's two of them were going to be the quarterbacks who are the stars yeah. of that 
Yeah, he would have looked, had a he would looked much more gracious, and it would have been yeah, smarter for him to do. But, it. but right. just real quick tidbit, just I think it's interesting, and I hope, sure. I hope the viewers find it interesting. You have to give the, the people like, well, what about you said the last minute? You you change it to ten. You have to give Secret Service, you know, who could come. Yeah. And I've done advance work, and I think Brian's done advance work. I did advance work with Brian, where you have to give your Social Security, mm -hmm. your name, days in advance, so they didn't know all the Eagles could have had better numbers in advance. I will say that to at least give the president's office a chance to say, hey, only twenty are coming, only ten are coming to make alternative plans. They didn't know until, I think, about the day before. Give it a week, and everyone's going to no, go back no, to talking over. about it. Is Carson Wentz going to start right, the first right. game of the season right. on September Absolutely. 9th, which he it's says not, he is. And what a guy you admire. Right. Right. Yes. And what I do want to talk about the seriousness of what the players are trying to say, and it is important that we remember that they are not protesting against the military, the flag, or anything else. They're protesting against an issue that we know is critically important in our community, and that is having fair policing for people of color. And that issue will continue until it's ultimately solved. I agree 100%, but you're doing it at your workplace, and I just don't think it's appropriate. Well, I think we got like 30 seconds. Scott Wagner <laughs> resigned his state senate seat. Is that going to help him or hurt him in the campaign against Governor Wolf? I think it helps him. I, I think it also says it also says that this is what he wants to do, and and he's serious about it, and you know he's going to give up you know, a seat. I think it I think it helps him. It's interesting. He's not if he wins. He said he, he to date he's not going to divest from his company. He's going to keep running it, which is a heavily oh, who regulated else does that? Street. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. I, I don't know. That's a Trump is, tradition. Though. Exactly. Is, this is the new. Way. He doesn't need the money. Yeah. Sure. Well, Mike Stack, the lieutenant governor, is not going to replace his seat. Do you think that was a political tactic? He's going to wait until the election to get someone in there for 2019. That's a long time. Yeah. I mean, I think yeah. that was okay. You guys got inside stories of the week. Yes, we do. We sure we're, they're do. Coming up next. Six ABC's Inside Story is presented by Temple University. Inside Stories of the Week. Nelson starts us off. I went to a graduation last night of uh, I lead a school in Reading, and I have to tell you, these are kids who are at-risk kids. 40% dropout rate in Reading of kids. These kids would not be in high school if it wasn't for this charter school. And do you know that the school district continues to attack them for having their own building and having their own charter? Thank you, Nelson. Brian. Kate Spade, Anthony Bourdain, what an incredibly sad week. Blue Cross Association uh, announced this week 33% increase in diagnosis for depression, suicide up 20, more than gun violence. Um, Reach out to somebody who you think is hurting. Reach out to somebody who you think needs your call. Um, we can help pull this number down. Amen. Thank you, Brian. Charmaine. Yes, it's a very sad situation. Um, this week coming up uh, is um, the kickoff for AIDS Education Month. Um, I remember we were having talking about these very dire statistics um, decades ago, but folks in Philadelphia, including uh, Philadelphia Fight and others, have been working for the last 24 years to prevent educate and engage the community. More than 1,200 people will be at the convention center on Wednesday, continuing the fight against HIV and AIDS. Please support this effort. Thank you, Charmaine. Jeff. Philadelphia has been in the crosshairs this past week with the Trump versus the Eagles and what the press is reporting. This coming Tuesday, Philadelphia Citizen, which uh, our own co-panelist Larry Platt and A.J. Raju are involved with, is hosting a panel called uh, Free Press in the Age of Trump. Um, and it is involving Washington Post reporter. These are all folks with Philadelphia roots. Uh, Ali Veshi from SM MSNBC, Larry and Jonathan Tamari from The Inquirer. It's at 6.30 at Penn Law School. Uh, well worth it and to see how our local reporters and journalists are handling 
this, uh, this challenge. All right. Thanks to our panelists here. Remember, you can listen to this broadcast, Inside the Story, on a podcast. Happy iTunes. Father's Day next week, by the hey, way. Hey, thank you. Happy Day Father's Day to all of you. And also remember, Councilman Daryl Clark, we do an Inside Story deep dive in the Travel Mode podcast, also on iTunes and Google Play. For all of you watching, thanks. We'll see you next week. That's Inside Story.